So I was wrong. Could not have been more wrong about the way that game was going to play out Saturday. Oklahoma turned a 21-point third-quarter lead into a three-point loss. Oklahoma blowout? Good call, Lee, you idiot. You see, I fell for it. I fell for Missouri State. I fell for the Arkansas State game. I fell for the COVID and contact tracing uncertainty at K-State. I fell for Lincoln Riley and the players sounding like they had turned a bit of a corner now that the season had begun. All of the concerns I had about Oklahoma's program being beaten down and distracted by everything they dealt with during the offseason and fall camp, I conveniently forgot it all. I fell for everything. And that's 100% on me. Credit to Grant, he cautioned us all last week, and he was right to do so. There's never a good time to lose as a massive favorite if you're Oklahoma. Unfortunately, the Sooners do that more than anybody in college football. Chris Felica, the Bear on ESPN's College Game Day, tweeted Saturday that Oklahoma's lost six times as a 20-plus point favorite since 2009. Nobody else has lost more than three. But I'm afraid losing to that K-State team in that fashion this early in the season is uniquely more problematic for Oklahoma compared to other years. It's 2020. A lot has happened this year. Sports were taken away from us. Then they came back. But they're not the same. It's impossible to watch a sporting event on TV or in the stands if you're one of the few people who actually get to go and not be reminded constantly that we are living through a -a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic that's affected all of us in different ways on a daily basis. The fact is, sports fans are more apathetic than ever before. If you don't believe me, just look at the television ratings. Roughly 2.68 million people watched OUK State on Saturday. Compare that with last season's OU Texas Tech game on September the 28th. 2.81 million people watched. Sure, doesn't sound like that big of a decrease, but I'd argue, shouldn't the ratings be higher here in 2020? Only 22,000 people are permitted to be at Memorial Stadium. It holds almost 90,000. So in theory, roughly 65 to 70,000 more people have to watch the game on TV than in normal years. That should help the ratings, right? If 65 to 70,000 doesn't seem like a lot to you, that's fair. So what about this? Nielsen ratings are doing something new in 2020. This year, Nielsen is tracking out-of-home viewers, which means Nielsen's somehow finding a way to track how many people are watching the game in restaurants, bars, hotel rooms, even if you're watching the game at a friend's house. This new metric was expected to spike TV ratings, which makes sense. They introduced a new metric that counts more people. If these metrics were available in 2019, that 2.81 million people who watched OU Texas Tech, well, wouldn't that number have been higher? Just how much higher is unclear. So with that in mind, in 2020, ratings for college football are down. It's not just OU's game against K-State. Even the SEC ratings were down as the conference made its 2020 debut this past weekend. According to Sports Media Watch, Mississippi State LSU on CBS had 4.4 million viewers. Quite a bit more, of course, than OUK State, not surprisingly. However, this year's Miss State LSU game was dwarfed by the SEC on CBS's debut game in 2019 between Alabama and South Carolina. That matchup had 4.9 million viewers. A half a million more people watched 
a worse matchup in 2019. And that's before fewer people could go to the games and Nielsen wasn't tracking out-of-home viewing. Based on college football TV ratings, fewer people are engaged with the sport in 2020 compared to 2019. Every single fan has their own individual reasons for why they're watching more, less, or the same amount of college football now compared to the past. We could all speculate on what those reasons are, but honestly, they don't really matter. All that matters is that the evidence suggests that fewer people care about college football this year, which means that statistically, there are some OU fans who aren't as engaged with the Sooners as they normally are. You know the best way to get those apathetic fans to tune out completely? Let K-State hang around. Let K-State hit multiple explosive plays. Show fans that OU's defense is still a huge problem. Show fans that Oklahoma's offense continues to tighten up late in close games at home and ultimately lose to K-State in September. To the Oklahoma football program, you're not going to convince Sooner Nation, some, maybe many, of which were disengaged coming into the 2020 season, that they should spend their Saturdays watching you guys play if you are not engaged yourself. Take note, this could be a long season. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. No intro play today. Just uh, didn't think it was appropriate after that game. Yeah, Oklahoma made some nice plays here and there, but... Who cares? Because the Sooners lost to K-State as a four-touchdown favorite. All right, we're going to try to power through this episode because Grant is on a bit of a tight schedule. He's moving out of his house soon, so uh, we all know the stress and time suck that moving is. So let's get this thing moving. Uh, Before I do bring him back in, though, I I do want to say thanks to all of you who've been listening since we came back uh, a few weeks ago. Thanks to all of you who have submitted three-word reviews after that terrible game on Saturday. We'll read some of those later in the show. And if you're new to the show and you'd like to leave us a rating and or a review on iTunes, go ahead and go for it. Haven't asked for ratings and reviews at all since we came back to the show, but go for it. We've got a five-star rating right now. We really appreciate all you listeners showing us your support, rating and reviewing us very nicely, and that always helps us with iTunes. And I I think it helps other people find the show that might be Oklahoma fans and want to get our podcast up into their podcast players. So uh, that's always a nice thing. Plus, you can always hit us up on the West of Everest Facebook page. Just search West of Everest on Facebook. Super easy. All right, let's bring back in. uh, Let's bring in Grant for the first time, I should say. And Grant, congratulations for being the only sane, measured and cautioned host that was on this show last week. I mean, also at the same time, though, a bunch of my takes just totally blew up. Remember when I was just talking mad crap about Deuce Vaughn? And, I mean, yeah. he essentially he won them the game on, on Saturday. But, I mean, I, everything I said about Deuce Vaughn, it still applies. If you put that guy in the eye formation, you're going to try to run him between the tackles, he will be extremely ineffective. He is a slot receiver. That is what he is. Unless it's fourth quarter at OU down by a touchdown, then it's, it's a touchdown. Because that's exactly what happened. They had him in the I formation. They ran him off tackle. And he scored a touchdown. Pretty easy to score pretty, uh, when there's nothing but green grass in front of you and yeah. no no large bodies. It is very easy to score in that situation. And he even made a comment too that uh, you could clip that stuff and we could play it back on the show. I I didn't clip it, but go back and listen to it. it it's bad. But I mean, my my thoughts were way worse than anything you said. I thought they'd win the game by a lot, and I messed up because it's just. A new season begins, and you kind of just forget all the stuff from the past, and you you don't remember certain things. And 
I fell victim to that. And uh, I can't say that's not going to happen again, to be honest with you, because <laughs> that's just the way football seems to go. Um, all right, so do you have anything you want to add something I was to that? Say, I mean, but also, like, I had the only, I mean, me being measured and cautioning everybody had everything to do with just feeling. There was no logic behind it whatsoever, which is why it's just kind of, I mean, so I'm not going to take credit for it. I just, I don't know. I had a, like, the game, if they were going to lose that game, it did not go at all how I expected it to go. I mean, they they really did dominate that game for three quarters. Uh, like, I mean, the 28-point spread was very correct. Uh, I, I just, everything I said about Kansas State last week still stands. That's not a good football team. Um, and I think for a vast majority of the game, that was very clear. Uh, Kansas State just made five or six plays, and they were the five or six most important plays in the entire game. Um, if yeah, I, that's the only way I can explain it. Like I, I don't know what else happened. It was it was very clear to me who had the better players, and it just it everyone saw it. It just it just completely got away with them. That was one of the most embarrassing, worst collapses I, I've ever seen of any team I have been a fan of. It was it was really bad. I can understand why everyone is so is kind of down, and I'm I'm right there with you. Like that was that game on Saturday was one of the biggest just kind of letdowns of any. I mean, just talk about the air coming out of the balloon completely for everyone. Like, as I wasn't even upset at the end of the game, I felt kind of shell shocked and just like sort of, well, okay. I mean, that happened. Now what? Like, I don't even know how that happened. It just did though. To be a little bit more fair to Kansas State, I'd say they made about five to six plays on both sides of the ball. Because they, they made some a couple, like a handful of defensive plays, and they made a handful of offensive plays that, that won them the game. So, actuality, I think they made about a dozen plays in the game. But, you know, your point is well taken. But I wanted to be fair to those guys because they, they did make more than like five plays. I think on each side of the ball, they made, they made some plays. And, a couple of the plays Oklahoma, especially on offense, uh, made it a little bit easier on them. Uh, I but, don't, um, like, yeah, they deserve to win. Don't get me wrong. They absolutely deserve to win. Uh, sure, sure. I just, it was, I, it's, it's inexplicable. I can't really explain it. Kansas State is not going to win a lot of football games this year, uh, which, you know, which makes this really disappointing. You know, I just, that team is terrible at the line of scrimmage. Oh, oh you cannot lose that game. As it's really disappointing. Well, let's explore something really quick that you said at the end a moment ago about how you felt didn't really feel much or you felt shell shocked, but then it was kind of okay, now what or what happened? And I think that kind of goes along with my opening take about how I think a lot of sports fans in twenty twenty are just kind of shoulder shrugged when it comes to sports because everything just doesn't seem and doesn't feel normal. And First of all, I guess, react to that. I mean, is, is that maybe why the outcome... Sure, everyone's mad and, and frustrated by the loss, but I feel like it could have hit a lot harder if this was a normal time in college football. It would, let's say this happened tw in tw a year ago in 2019 and the same thing happened. It would be, oh my gosh. I, I think it would be a lot worse. But for whatever reason, it's almost like, eh, I mean, yeah, that sucks, but at least they got it over with in September because now I kind of know what this team is. What are your thoughts on any of that? 
sure, maybe. Um, but the thing is, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue. I've had, I, there's been plenty of games, you know, over the last 21 seasons where I've thought to myself, well, crap, there's no way they're going to come out and play well after that one. Not, you know, and so I don't know what's going to happen. There's certainly not a good feeling surrounding anything. And of course, like, you know, you going into the, the larger, the larger issue of just sports in general during COVID. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just COVID is absolutely a cloud over everything. I would say the only thing, uh, the only sport that has not been extremely impacted by it in terms of the television product is the NFL. But that's because the NFL was always a television product. Um, and they've done that's I think they've done the best job of of kind of transitioning it over and making it feel normal. But, you know, maybe this isn't something that we're able to articulate until, you know, further down the line. But, yeah, things are different. Maybe. yeah. The game is the, it's totally different. And um, I don't I, yeah, I don't know if it's just if it's just the the moment that we're in with covid and the election and everything just being so divisive and negative and that's just sort of seeping into everything else i think that's part of it um just any everything with covid and the uncertainty regarding you know testing and are we even going to be able to play this week i think that's a big part of it um and then you know of course it's going to feel a lot worse when a team like kansas state who lost to arkansas state two weeks ago and that's arkansas state's not a good team um yeah when you add okay. that into the mix, oh, you just lost to a team they should really beat. And then when you add in the fact that it seems like this is kind of becoming a bit of a trend for Lincoln Riley and his staff. Yeah, man, like I'm I'm pretty this is about this is the least excited I have been for an OU football team since ever. And I that could change really easily if they come out on Saturday night and blow the doors off of Iowa State, that will change very quickly. <laughs> yeah, but I think I, I think everybody kind of feels the same way. They don't. They have no idea what to expect from this team. The the collapse that they showed on Saturday. I don't think anyone's really ever seen that before, and it hasn't. That's the first game that OU has lost in like forever that they've led going into the fourth quarter. Um. Well, what was the I, statistic? I think since two thousand four, it was something like top five teams with a three touchdown lead in the second half or something has only lost they've only lost like once since 2004 and uh, now it's twice with Oklahoma and I never saw what that that one loss was you know I bet it was like a if it was a top five team they're probably playing a better team than Kansas State if they blew a 21 point lead or whatever so yeah it just doesn't happen a lot and then the stat I used in the opening take about how since 2009 Oklahoma favored by 20 or more points. They, they've lost straight up six times in the last 11 years. I mean, that's insane. And I believe three of those are under Lincoln Riley in the last three, Iowa State, K-State, and K-State. And maybe I'm missing another one. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the three under Lincoln Riley, so there must have been three under Bob Stoops. You would Wait, probably, since 2011? Well, no, the first one that instantly – oh, since 2009 – so it, it, what, what was this? What was the number? It was it was as at least twenty point favorites. Yes. Okay. So the very first one that comes to mind is uh, at home against Texas Tech in two thousand and eleven uh, that they lost when they were the number three team in the country. That was definitely one of them. They lost. Um, they lost five games in two thousand and fourteen. So I would assume maybe one one of them is in there. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, that's really all I can. I don't know. Were they over? Were they over twenty point favorites against Houston when they lost to them four years ago in the opener? I don't. I don't think they were. It doesn't matter. Know. We don't need to go through that. I was just curious if yeah, I. I do know for sure of the three, and you know maybe I'm missing one. Has there been another shocking loss aside from Iowa State and the both K State games that I'm just blanking on in the last three years, twenty or last four years? I guess now I think that's. I don't think so. Right. Yeah. There's hasn't no none of them have been like shocking. There's been which is a which is a very clear trend now. There's the getting way ahead of of good and and bad teams also and then letting them get back into the game. That is turning into a Lincoln Riley hallmark. You can you can like that was that was almost the story of the entire 2018 season. And if you recall just like in the middle portion of that 2017 year, that ha- it happened in like every single game. Remember two weeks mm-hmm. after they 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 went into Columbus and beat the number two team in the country, Ohio State. They were up they were up by like they were up by like twenty four on a on a Baylor team that ended that finished one in ten that season, and they ended up only beating Baylor by like eight after they took the lead late in the the second half. Like I mean that mm-hmm. that was terrible. If you recall, Texas that season was bad. They went four and eight, and OU was up twenty to nothing, and they let them back into the game. Um. Kansas State on the road that season uh, threw out uh, what's his name at quarterback, a guy who can't even complete a forward pass. <laughs> um, oh man, we made we've ripped on him so much. Alex Delton. Alex Delton, and uh, I don't think I don't think OU ever led in that game, but they were much too close for comfort during that entire game. Rodney Anderson had to have a game-winning touchdown run at the end. Yeah, I was there. He, he ran um, right to me. And then and then that was I mean. All of 2008. This this happened pretty much every game in 2018. It was just you couldn't separate. Any time that the offense made a play, the defense wouldn't make a play. Every time the defense made a play, the offense couldn't make a play. And this is like I, you know, and I know this is like everyone has kind of been talking about this in the wake of the game, and we're just sort of we're going now on Wednesday, but it's it's concerning for sure. I don't think anyone's going to question Lincoln Riley's offensive bona fides at all, but. There's a lot of not very good teams that Lincoln Riley teams have allowed to stick around. And that's just not acceptable. That's not happening at Alabama. That's not happening at Clemson. And that's like that's that's the that's the level that this program wants to be on. I can guarantee you in no reality would an Alabama team or Clemson team from the last 6 or 7 years even think about losing to that Kansas State team. It would never even be a possibility. No. And so why does this keep happening? I don't know. And obviously Lincoln Riley's talked about it you know, after the game and then Tuesday this week. And his explanation was, you know, there's a lot of mistakes. They're fixable mistakes. His thing this week was or is that they, they become, I think, too focused on the result as opposed to playing the game up to their standard, the Oklahoma standard, and that gets it to where they end up re, they're reacting to things in the game when, when it starts to get difficult. Okay, that's coach speak, I guess. He's got to think of something. But again, you, you said you've you brought up a lot of good points over the years, and it's, it's become somewhat of a trend. And we can kind of dive into all the different – things that happen into the game and I'll be honest with you I think a lot of this podcast is probably going to be talking about Kansas State I know you're listening to this closer to the Iowa State game but um, 
we have a lot more. At least I do. I, I have a lot more. I did the whole rewatch and have thoughts. So just want to preface that to I don't, everyone listening. I don't have a lot of thoughts about Iowa State. Um, anything and I don't feel that, like I'm qualified at this point to even predict or talk yeah, about next games after what happened last zero week to me. Clue. So. Zero clue what's going to happen. None at all. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, so here's one thing that I, I brought up in the, the opening take. I, it was a quick line of mine about how Oklahoma's offense late in these games at home are, are starting to tighten up. And Oklahoma's offense is obviously what is the Sooners' strength. And so you go back, obviously, you look at Saturday, fourth quarter. It's a tight game. Oklahoma didn't score a touchdown in the fourth quarter. You go back to last season, late in the year, home games against TCU and against Iowa State when the game started to get tight in the fourth quarter, Oklahoma – didn't score a touchdown. That's three straight games at home. When the game gets tight, Oklahoma's offense under Lincoln Riley has not scored a touchdown. That is, I realize there's a, a whole offseason in between uh, two and then one of those games, but uh, one time is alarming. Two times, okay, it could be a coincidence, but three times, especially with a whole offseason and against uh, two of those three teams, TCU and Kansas State, while they have good coaches, talent-wise, I don't know. And Iowa State, I guess you could say the same thing. Talent-wise, Iowa State's not anywhere near Oklahoma. They're getting there, but uh, they have a better quarterback. You know, it doesn't, it, like, it, you can talk about talent all you want in those games, Lee. They were up by three-plus touchdowns in, in both of those games, all of those games. And they allowed, they allowed offenses that are not explosive to get back into the game. To become and explosive, that, like, yeah. That, why? Why? I, I just, I don't know. I, you know, I, I didn't, uh, and I know you did the rewatch of the K State game. I'll, full, I'll be fully transparent. I did not rewatch it, and I didn't want to. I don't. I didn't want to rewatch that garbage again. And I'm, I wasn't. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just not going to do it. Um, I, it's it's imprinted in my brain enough already as it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can get into the we can get into kind of the finer points, but I just like I I want to know why. In the biggest moments, this team, or like especially late in the game, it kind of seems like this team can shrink pretty easily. And that's not to say that they haven't, you know, um, they haven't performed in those situations. There was a ton of close games last year that they just kind of pulled out of their butt. Um, the Baylor game obviously is one where they just made play after play after play down the stretch. But I don't know. Is this a thing where it just like evens out? Is was were they lucky last season? Because I thought, like, I thought in a lot of those games, the other teams were absurdly lucky getting back into the game. Or do so? Do I have that backwards? Uh, I think Oklahoma certainly had a lot of luck on its side last year, and talent at the end probably won out. But I think the key is that a lot of these times, I mean, the Baylor game, Baylor was a good team last year. But when you're playing really tight games against like a Texas Tech a couple of years ago, when, when in 2018. Uh, and you're playing tight games against teams that that should not be pushing you, should not be making it a tight game. That's where it's it's an issue. Where it's like you come out on top, great, but this isn't this isn't the SEC. Uh, this isn't the, even the Big Ten. I mean, there's there's a lot of balance in the Big Twelve, but there are, there's also when it comes to Oklahoma, what you want Oklahoma to be, the teams below Oklahoma. You would expect the Sooners, or you hope it's not happening, but you want, and you brought this up last podcast, you would hope Oklahoma would be kind of like more like a Clemson in the ACC where they are not challenged. Maybe one time a year Clemson plays a tight game in the ACC. 
That's what you want Oklahoma to get to, but yet they can't, they can't get there. And the recruiting has improved, at least on paper it has, but they still they can't get there to where they're putting these teams away and winning easily. And it gets to the point where it's like they start to coast. It's 28-7. to seven. Stupid big play. All right, you know what? Give them one. Brush it off. Let's let's buck, you know buckle down. Offense comes out, goes right back down the, the the field, gives you that that three touchdown lead right back. All right, defense, offense just picked you up, and then you give up another extremely massive play on stupid, just in a stupid way against a team that's not explosive. Where is the the focus, the the mental toughness? It seems like from the first quarter. Second quarter. Remember last year, Oklahoma started games defensively really well for the most part. And just as the game goes on, I don't know if, if, if maybe opposing offensive coaches start to see what Oklahoma's doing schematically and they can make adjustments. And right now, Alex Grinch, his in-game adjustments maybe are being outdone by offensive coaches. That's a possibility because as the game goes on, they start to play worse. But it's you look at this game, and outside of five plays, maybe six plays by, uh, by Kansas State's offense, Oklahoma's defense was really good to dominant as, as far as a, a yards per play basis. So it just guess- doesn't make any sense how Kansas State or why Kansas State was able to win that football game the way it did. And I think you, Lee, you bring up, I think, one of the, one of the biggest frustrations with this, which is... Man, Kansas State wants to play a very certain way, correct? They want to line up and they want to be physical. They want to run the ball. They want to be a pro-style type offense. And Kansas State tried to do that in this game, and they weren't able to do it. OU was able to completely shut down what Kansas State typically wants to do. And then they got up by three touchdowns, which forces Kansas State to play left-handed, do what they're not very good at, which is spread it out and throw the football. And that's what beat OU. And that's really concerning because Kansas State is a poor throwing football team. And OU allowed them to get back into the game by throwing the ball. And so, like, I think it's completely fair that you bring up Alex Grinch and you ask or you even make the, the observation that maybe those in-game adjustments are totally lacking. I, what, I, guess, I don't know how to explain it, how the defense can look so good and all of a sudden explosive play, explosive play. You go back to the Big 12 title game against second and third string quarterbacks. Oklahoma's defense dominated Baylor that game aside from like three plays and Baylor was in position to win the football game at the end. Explosive pass plays against bad quarterback play. And LSU game, Oklahoma was shorthanded and got their butts kicked. It seemed like they hadn't even watched any tape on LSU and it was an absolute mismatch. Joe right. Burrow yeah, dropped you know, I, a bunch of dimes in that game, to be fair, but still. I'm glad you brought that up because like, there was a lot of that LSU game in the second half of the K-State game. There really was. They were like, they, um, Chris Kleiman and his offensive coordinator, they went to the LSU school of offense in the second half. All they were trying to do was move Deuce Vaughn around and get him matched up on someone in the passing game. That was their only ace in the hole, and it freaking worked. And as soon as it worked, everyone on the defense was terrified. That's why the other big plays happened. And that just can't happen. Like, I, I don't... Um, just like throwing stuff... Like, I don't... 
you see uh, you see a lot now in the Big 12 that three deep safety look. Pretty much every team has it. Kansas State was in it a lot in this past game. OU desperately needed that in this in this game uh, yes or uh, yesterday <laughs> on Saturday. They desperately needed that uh, that package. They needed more guys deep, and they needed they needed to trust their linebackers and their defensive linemen to handle the run game. That's what they needed because Kansas State was only going to get back into that game with explosive passing plays. And that's exactly what they allowed them to do. It's crazy, you know. I and you like. I, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought up the that Baylor game last year too, and that the the TCU game is kind of in there too. Max Duggan wasn't ready to make throws at that level last season, and he was still able to do it. Um, and who who is it who came in for Baylor and uh, just made all those plays? And and I know you can say it's like whatever. I yeah, can't that was even a really the guys nice names. Yeah, it's like I know you can you can say yeah that those were really nice throws, and the guy made a big play. But, like, I watch a lot of college football, man. That crap doesn't happen to Alabama and Clemson and, pre- and pretty much any team, like, elite team. Like, OU is the only team that happens to. Here's the thing. You can, you can go back and listen to the podcast after that OU-Baylor game. And we went over, I think it was one of those podcasts where we literally went over the entire game, like, play by play and discussed everything. And... Yes, you can say, hey, that's a great throw by that guy. I mean, got to tip your cap to him. And that would be partly true in my opinion. But the problem with, for instance, one of the plays in the game that I went back and, and watched actually yesterday was a play because it was a play in the second quarter. It was a touchdown pass on third and 20. Third and 20, a touchdown pass. And what Oklahoma was doing is Oklahoma was playing cover two. Cover two on third and long, I, again, maybe... Is I shouldn't stupid. Say, it's so dumb. Growing up, growing up and playing... Granted, I never played college football, okay? I, I'm not a college football player. I just have high school level playing experience and I guess technically coaching experience as far as learning uh, from, from that level. So, you know what? I'm, I'm probably unqualified from a lot of this stuff. But the point is, third down and long... That's cover three, cover four. You never play cover two. Cover two is something short yardage because what happens is there's only two safeties deep and it makes it easier for the quarterback to find openings, whether it be in between that safety in the corner or if you have a couple of players stretching one of the safeties, that's tough for one guy to cover two players. And what happened in the Baylor game is they were playing cover two and Deshaun White was playing the, the middle middle linebacker role getting deep which he's responsible for the middle of the field and he essentially was running with a wide receiver down the middle of the field and the uh, the one of the deep safeties bit on a route coming up so then it left Deshaun White one-on-one with a wide receiver on third and 20 if you play just three deep safeties there's no issues with that let him throw the ball underneath and run up and make a tackle and that play never happens and so that's what we saw against Kansas State. Cover two man, press two man on the Deuce Vaughn long run that set up a touchdown. The first touchdown, press man coverage. It, will, it was two man, but it ended up being single high cover one because DTY looked to be on film, made a mistake, and left Trey Brown on an island. And that was third and 13, if I'm not mistaken. Third and 13 or third and 17 or something like that. And you're playing aggressive press two man 
which, hey, you know me. You know Grant, too. We're all for aggressive defense. What do we call for during the Mike Stoops era all the time? Be aggressive. I'm third and 13, third and 15. I don't know if, if press man coverage, two man is I, – I don't know if it's worth the risk, especially whenever one of the safeties – doesn't get the call and doesn't take his half of the field, leaving a corner out to dry who gets beat at the line of scrimmage by Chabaston Taylor. And it's an easy pitch and catch touchdown for Skylar Thompson and gives Kansas State life. I don't have a that problem. Is dumb. I don't have a problem that is with dumb press, and with, unavoidable. Or I'm I sorry, don't, I don't avoidable. I don't, yeah, I don't theoretically have like a a philosophical problem with press man on on third and long like that as long as you trust your safeties and you have good corners. And I think at this point in time, you, you clearly cannot trust OU safeties and coverage. There's way too many. Like, DTY is, is, is downright great in the box. He's really great in the box. OU safeties freaking suck in pass coverage. They do not, coverage a, lo- they do not cover a lot of ground, and they get confused a lot. Yeah. But what's, I, like, I, I don't... What's the, you know, how, how do you get better... I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say like I start benching guys. I, I I don't know if it's that easy. Like this is. Oh my I bad. Mean, hey, it, it, it was third and eighteen, not third and thirteen. My bad. Third I and totally, eighteen. I, I forgot from the about OU that. I, that first touchdown pass that Kansas State had. That was their first score of the game. I totally forgot yeah. that it came on third and nearly twenty. Yeah. Third and eighteen from the Oklahoma thirty-nine. I don't. Like how on earth? I, I, what what sort of like what was DTY doing? Did he did they fake a run? Was it a play fake and that he just got sucked into the box or like? No, and you know, thank you to Fox, the broadcast crew, because this is you know we don't get all twenty two as people in the public, but this essentially is the all twenty two the way they shot this, and at the snap, DTY it looks like he's playing some sort of robber technique. He starts reading the play and he it's like he tries to jump a route. And he comes up and, and takes a tight end like that's going across the field. And that leaves one half of the field wide open. Meanwhile, the other safety, Pat Field, is obviously he's, in, he's responsible for his half. <laughs> so when, when DTY either – so either he busted and it was two-man or the call was some sort of man-free, man like with a robber technique, and, and DTY was trying to jump her out and – uh, Pat Fields was responsible for the entirety of the field as the one deep safety. If that's true, he didn't look like he knew that because he did not get to the middle of the field to try to be able to help out both sides of the formation, considering Sebastian Taylor was lined up on the strong side of the formation, so he probably should have been kind of angling more to that side to help out. So I think it was two-man, and I, I think DTY didn't get the call, and he didn't get deep. If he gets deep and he plays as his, his, his responsibility – Skylar Thompson's not making that throw. And if he does, it's either going to get knocked down or probably picked off. And that's the difference. It's just do your job. I thought this speed D was supposed to be simple and not confusing. How do you miss calls like that that lead to third and 18 touchdowns on broken plays when you're winning a game and you give a team life like that? And the same thing happened. The Deuce Vaughn one was the angle route out of the backfield lined up on a linebacker. He made one guy miss. And then it was him versus Pat's Pat fields in the middle of the field. And I mean, that's Deuce Vaughn's going to win that every single day of the week. But then the next one, when Brian Mead was doing whatever Brian Mead was doing, that's another one that's incredibly avoidable. It was a cover three technique. That's what Alex Grinch did after the game. And they, they blew it. 
I don't know. I have no idea what happened on that play. It's like Brian Mead thought it was man, but then he went off of his man after his man ran by him down the sideline. And then he realized, oh, wait, this is man, even though it wasn't man. But even if it was cover three, I don't know why Brian Mead would have been responsible for the deep third as a linebacker. I, I have so many questions. And after the game, Lincoln, uh, Grinch just said, yeah, they, they, they messed up a cover three scheme on that play. And it's just like, why are you messing up simple coverages? Like, I, and this isn't LSU. This isn't Texas Tech. This isn't Iowa State with a, a good throwing quarterback. This is Kansas State. This stuff is so easy to prevent, yet apparently not. And and so it's, it's on really me. frustrating. Uh, it's really frustrating to see, and uh, you know, compared to Kansas State's defensive backs and how good of position they were in, and how they were never confused. Why? Never. Why does that keep happening? Like it's just I I don't. That only happens to OU, and I'm sick of it. And it's like, of course, yeah, we're sitting here complaining as you know fans of a team that have won 12 games for you know for like four consecutive seasons but I mean it's maddening man that team sucks why are they losing to that team (laughs) that was a lot different team than the Arkansas State game though they looked a lot different Kansas State played a lot better but like did they though I'm serious like what I mean (laughs) I mean you take away Kansas State's offense, you take away their five, their six explosive plays, their offense was averaging something like two to three yards per play the entire game. I, I guess I'll bring this stat out right now. I, I tweeted this out a little bit ago. So in, in the final six drives of the game for Kansas State, they gained 265 yards, all right? Which, all right, yeah, like that makes about much of sense. Kansas State scored a lot of points in the, the last part of the game. Kansas State got 251 of those 265 yards on just five plays. So you take away those five plays, Kansas State gained an average on its final six drives of 0.7 yards per play. That's 19 snaps where they averaged less than a yard a play. Aside, but then you add in the five explosive plays and that was it. So on a play-to-play basis, you look at it, Oklahoma's defense for the most part dominated Kansas State's offense aside from honestly six plays those five plays in the second half and the one play in the first half the long touchdown that is so dumb (laughs) and so where do you go from there do you you know of course as as a head coach and you know Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch they're going to see all that on tape you can turn on the tape and you can see OU winning a vast majority of the reps in the game what do you do What's what are the like what's what's not getting through? What's not clear? And so well, like I'm glad there, I was I'm glad it you like a miscommunication. At, Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say I'm glad you, you know, went and, and rewatched that, you know, that, that first long touchdown. Um because I thought, I mean, of course, by the broadcast, I thought they were just in straight up man coverage because that's what it looked like. Um when when Brown, when Trey Brown got beat or seemingly got beat. So I'm glad you brought that up because at first I thought that was 100% just Trey Brown just not being very good. Um, I mean, he got beat. He got beat off the line of scrimmage, and it was – I mean, Taylor had a step on him, but he should have had safety help based on sure. the video, so, ba- like, based on the tape. I don't know. I think I think you and I, like, let's 
and of course, we're not we're not coaches. We don't I don't know as much about football as Alex Grinch. But because this is a football podcast, and try to try to bring some fun to it. Like, wh- what do you think? Like, if if you were the DC and you were just in charge of the personnel, would you would you change up the personnel at all? Would you? And I only bring that up because, and I I've texted this to you, and and not to belabor the point because this has been talked about uh, in you know in varying degrees for the last two years. But I don't understand why the best cover corner on the team doesn't play corner. Talk about Buki Radley Hiles, who, Buki, who was clear, who was who clearly had the best game on the defense of anyone on on Saturday. He had a nice game. He played well, and I I thought quietly because he didn't get a whole lot of chances. But uh, Jaden Davis played pretty well too at corner. He had a, I think he had a couple PBUs. Uh, Buki also late in the game was man on man against a you know against a slot fade and gave up a back shoulder throw. It was a good throw, but that was a big play. That I mean, yeah. it would have been nice if he would have been able to make a play there. But again, that was kind of well. I mean, I mean he's you got you, you, you have to you have to just totally give Skylar Thompson the he's he, he's got the whole he's got the superpower going of only only able to make certain throws against Oklahoma. So. That's that's just one you just got to kind of write off because that was always going to happen, I guess. Apparently. Oh, that actually reminds me. So you're right about that, but any Kansas State fan listening to this, which I don't know why they would be listening this this long, but to be fair to uh, Skylar Thompson, in the first half there was one play where Oklahoma looked, uh, you know, they they dropped eight, and he had plenty of time to throw, and then he started rolling to his left and threw it to Malik Knowles. Horrible throw. Horrible throw, throw that Knowles like had to like slide down and and he he didn't catch it, he didn't catch it. If it would have been a good throw, Knowles would have probably been able to go for a touchdown. Okay, but you know what the next play was? The third and eighteen touchdown pass to Jabastian Taylor. <laughs> so Oklahoma just got a gift, got got lucky on a bad throw from Skylar Thompson, but then immediately said, "Here you go, here's a freebie for you." So they busted. Very next they snap. busted on two consecutive plays on second and third and eighteen. Mm-hmm. That is, oh my god! Two different calls. The first almost, time was like a cloud coverage, looked like cover three. I almost use a really second, interesting yeah. adjective to describe that. I, almost, I, I have no idea if anyone else will find this funny. I almost described that as being testicular. <laughs> <laughs> Giving up, busting on second and third and 18, that is very testicular. <laughs> I hate you're it. Make up, make up words, or not I make not up words. Make that word up. I know you're you're a make up meaning, make up new meanings for words that already exist. I, okay, I like that creativity. So, so you're asking personnel wise if you would change. I I was talking to uh, somebody recently about that. I was just you know it really it's annoying that you know we've, we've never seen Buki at play corner, and I heard that. You know, Maybe they like he doesn't play corner like that's just not where they want him to play. I don't I don't know. I mean, who knows if that's how much truth's behind that? I don't know why you wouldn't at least try him there because that's what he did in high school. He was really good at that. We all know that. But and also Alex Grinch came over, didn't know anything about the defense. Um, you know, maybe he didn't know much about Buki in high school because obviously he didn't recruit him. So I don't know if there was ever a situation where he even got worked out at corner. I don't know. Um. I just wish they would know the play calls all the time because it would seem like on these big explosive plays, it just it's a miscommunication or guys just don't do their jobs. And that's the most simple thing ever when it comes to sports, <laughs> not football. How many times do you hear teams and coaches say, just do your job, 
just do your job. It's a team sport. You do your job. Everyone does their job. You're going to play pretty well. Everyone knows this. It's, it's been beaten in everyone's head forever, yet people still don't do their job sometimes. And it's like it makes it would drive me absolutely nuts if I was a coach, man. I absolutely nuts. And Alex Grinch, he said all the right things after the game. He took the blame for everything. He said they're not getting the job done as coaches. You can only say that. I think uh, the the Sooner Scoop guys, Carrie and Eddie, talked about this afterwards. You, you can only say that so many times until it's doesn't mean anything, especially here at Oklahoma. So. I don't know. What would you do? So your your thing is you you want to see some personnel mix up, or you want to see some different players, or, or like what? I kind of I kind of feel like Buki and Trey Brown should switch positions. Trey Brown is that would bigger, be interesting. Would hold up on the edge better in the run game. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know you do, like. I mean, they just Buki he hasn't played nickel. nickel. You know? Buki is is like is Buki takes away whoever the slot guy is in the nickel, and so of course you don't want to give that up and. And I, I think we can, like, I think by this time, we haven't seen a whole lot of Jeremiah Cradell. It's probably not really clicking for him, I would guess. Um, maybe that's why yeah, that's... we haven't seen him. And, and I know Trey Norwood basically has only practiced, like, a handful of times uh, because of contact tracing and whatnot. But we know Trey Norwood does, does pretty well playing safety. Like, I, I mean, I'm thinking, like, outside the box. Like, I'm starting to think that DTY should play linebacker. Hmm. Like Here's along, along the lines of that, and also, um, and I, I don't want to I don't want to spend too much time on Brian Mead because I think at, at, it's it's sort of a well worn subject. Um, you don't want to pick on it. I mean, he he keeps getting thrown out there. Um, whatever the coaches are seeing in Brian Mead is not actually there. They can tell they can tell us all they want that he's smart and great and he picks everything up. He has never played well once in his career. He has looked bad every time he has been out there. And you cannot yeah, he's, tell he's me just, that Robert Barnes is can go out there and look worse than Brian Mead. Well, you say that until no, nah, I, I don't know. Oh uh, yeah, just, I mean, that, yeah that, I just, that's easy. And, yeah, and that's I, all I, I want to say about that. But it's like, depth, it's, it's clearly a depth thing. I, I, you know, he likes to play yeah. a lot of guys, and for whatever reason, yeah, Mead is ahead in that spot for some reason. And yeah, like I maybe busting and like assignments are a huge problem, and clearly they are. Kansas State game, you know, put that on full display. And so maybe there's, they are at that point where it's like, yeah, we just can't trust anyone else back there. But man, that dude's that, that guy's, he's a liability for Oklahoma when he's on the field. He is going well, an, yeah. in the big 12, because now there is plenty of tape on him. He is going to be matchup hunted so hard. They have got to get him off the field. He is a large, large weak link. You know, what's even worse about that long play where, where uh, he he was out on an island with a running back. The worst part about that is that it it took Skylar Thompson until his last read to even notice what was happening. He didn't even notice it pre-snap. I mean, once he motioned out, I think Mosey was the running back's name, and he saw Brian Me running out there. I don't know how Skylar Thompson didn't immediately think, oh, oh, man, I, I have something here. He didn't. He took the snap. And he went through all of his reads, all of his progressions, and then looked back to the left. And unfortunately, Oklahoma's pass rush wasn't there to get to him before he was like, oh, there's that guy running wide open down the sideline because Oklahoma busted a coverage again. That made it even worse that he didn't notice it right away. And Oklahoma actually had some time if they would have been able to get to get to Thompson and put some pressure on him. But he had all the time to throw in the world. And then it was it was over. 
Yeah, it's also really frustrating watching the Swiss cheese Kansas State offensive line against Arkansas State, and then in the second half, even when rushing for OU's defensive line, just cannot get any sort of pressure whatsoever. That's really, I, I think, I mean, you're you're definitely seeing like the losing Ronnie Perkins and Jalen Redmond was, I mean, those are the two best players on the defense, and they're not there. Yeah, that was. I I think that was always going to be a big deal. Um. Yeah, you're, Man, you should have been I, able to get. You should have been able to get away with it here, and after two games, yes, you should have been able to get away with it. Should be two and one hundred percent. That that does not <laughs> excuse them still losing this game. That's what's it's just a, so it's frustrating. A, it's an absolute joke. They lost that game. Like I just, I, yeah. Real quick, the idea of DTY playing linebacker, I think, is kind of interesting because on that series in the first half, when. Kansas State did score its first touchdown, and we've already harped on that already. And and you know, DTY looked like he didn't get the call right. Uh, for half of that series, Trey Norwood was actually in for DTY playing strong safety. Makes me wonder uh, what would have happened if Trey Norwood just would have been out there the entire series. There was like I think there's a timeout, and I think a, like he came into the game. DTY came back into the game. Uh, like in two plays after he came back into the game, that play happened. So it's maybe it's because. Grinch was like, all right, they're, they're across midfield. I'm going to get DTY back in there. I trust him a lot more, blah, blah, which makes sense. He's been, he's been a good player. He's been a really good player. I think he's one of the best players in Oklahoma's defense last year. So, but anyways, it would have been interesting to see if, if Trey Norwood would have played a deep cover two zone <laughs> and prevented that play from happening. I don't know. Just a, just a weird thought because if Norwood can play strong safety and uh, DTY could – I mean, that's not going to happen. I can't imagine they're going to move anybody, but that is kind they're of a fun They're not going to move think anybody, about. but – they should think about that. Like, I mean, there's, like, I know DTY is it's twenty like twenty pounds, just whatever. I just, but he's, uh, you know, if, if even if he is busting, kind of in the in, in the deep half of the secondary, in terms of him being in the box and coming up and and like and kind of punishing guys, like he he looked great in terms of that. Like he looks he like he's taking another step. Yeah, like he's he is a legitimate. He's a legitimately great box safety right now in this league. I I just kind of think if you have a great box safety in this league, you should think about playing him at linebacker to get more speed and to get more like because I I mean I think you'd probably rather have DTY there on Deuce Vaughn on that long play than Brian Asamoa. Um, yeah, but mm-hmm. and also but and that's that's unfair because I think Asamoa has been has been good. He's been one of the best players on the defense so far, um, and I don't like. I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't think that that play is like Asamoah's fault. I mean, that's that's a tough. That's tough. He was matched of all hunting. the plays. That's the that's the one where I'm kind of like uh, I I kind of get that one. I I get Kansas State kind of made a really nice play. They did. They spread everyone out. They knew that they were in man coverage, and they went. To, he went to his best matchup. That's exactly what LSU did on every single play against OU. And Skylar Thompson made a really good throw. I know it was just a slant, but he it put was. it right on the money. And it split two defenders and left Pat Fields on an island by himself in the middle of the field against Deuce Vaughn. That's really hard as a safety. When Deuce Vaughn has literally every direction he can run, and he knows where he's going, and as a safety, you have no idea where he's going. The elite safeties make those tackles, and unfortunately, Pat Fields wasn't able to get him down before he picked up 70-plus yards. That that's a really tough play. Yeah, I, you know, I think really what it is in the end, they still just don't have the talent on that side of the ball, and I think that's pretty clear. Like I, 
the defensive line, they just they weren't getting organic pressure. The safeties, I, I, I like I said, I think DTY is a really good player, but it's not like they're extremely rangy or anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree they can always get more and more talent. But aside from that one play we just talked about, the, the Deuce Vaughn long catch and run, a lot of these other big explosive plays looked like coverage breakdowns or miscommunication. And so you could that needs to be fixed. There can't be any sort of, oh, I thought we were playing this, but we're actually playing that. If everyone's not on the same page, this might as well be the 2017, 2018, more like 2018 before Mike Stoops got fired defense. That's what they where it like. was just That's what they looked like. like. I mean, the, the Deuce Vaughn touchdown run that tied the game, the tight copy, you look at it and you see defensive linemen, you see linebackers kind of looking up. I think Joel Klatt pointed this out on the broadcast. You see them kind of looking at the wristband things that they wear and they snap the ball and it's over. It's over. I don't know why it's so confusing. They're lined up in the I formation. What is their, what, what kind of crazy play you got to call? Just line up and, and I don't know, hat, hat on hat, make stop. So the whole simplicity of things seems to have gone away. doesn't seem simple anymore. At least enough times in a game to where the opposing team can hit explosive plays and Oklahoma can put themselves in a bad spot because that's, that's yeah, like we've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but if, if you're Alex Grinch, you're watching that tape and Lincoln Riley, you brought it up. Down to down, most snaps, Oklahoma is winning that football game. But these big... Wonder- yeah. Explosive it makes plays me wonder are, if they're trying turning to turning the tide. Makes me wonder because like they're I don't know, I mean because they're more experienced in the secondary this year. Maybe they've like and you tell me this because I didn't I didn't rewatch it, but is there any chance they're like experimenting with weird like cover 3 pattern ma- uh, pattern matching techniques and that I think like that's a good pattern question. matching is, is confusing. It can be really confusing. But in order to win a national championship in college football, you're going to have to be able to do it. So mm-hmm. maybe that's what they are trying to do and, that, and they just can't get it right away because they weren't really doing a whole lot of that last year, if I recall. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point because if I, I'm trying to remember the words that Alex Grinch used after the game. He, he said something like they, they messed up a cover three, I think, either, either scheme or concept. So maybe, maybe it was uh, an outside the box, you know, hide the coverage at the snap and then, then roll to it. Uh, post-snap and they messed it up that's probably a pretty good theory I, all I know is that the deep third safety wasn't there and if it was anybody it was Brian Mead but Brian Mead thought he was playing man apparently so it was a mess up somewhere but yeah I mean it's possible maybe they're trying to do a little bit more detailed stuff which makes sense it's year two of this defense Alex Grinch might be thinking okay I'm gonna put a little more in yeah it's possible. But also at the same time, I, why would they do that? It was Kansas State. Kansas State yes. is, is I'm, I'm sorry, is not, is just, is going, is not going to provide you with, with the stiffest test in terms of, you know, offensive structure and philosophy. They're just not. They're the most straightforward team in the freaking conference. Even what they were doing in their spread sets were extremely straightforward. It was just literally empty and just, and, and spread everyone out so we can see what matchups we have. That, I mean, that's been going on in the Big 12 for 15 years. It's, it's not good. Like, they, they got a really easy test last Saturday, and they just, they were, they, were, they were sailing through it. It was just fine. They were turning the ball over a little bit, but it was fine. They were still up by three touchdowns, and then it just, and then they just failed. I mean, I, you know, 
I put it I put it 100% on the coaching staff. Like there's just you you cannot collapse like that and it's that's 100% on the coaches. Like you as a coach, you have a responsibility to understand where that game is going. And it was obvious where that game was going. And if you can't, if you can't rally your team and get everyone on the same page, man, that's that's yeah, that game's on Lincoln Riley and it's not good. This is this is not an acceptable loss, like at all. And so I, I think, yeah, I think everyone's a little kind of on edge because we're going to be looking for that same, the you know, the same stuff against Iowa State. I think because everyone's kind of got the exact same mindset right now, right? Like as in, oh God, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and it, just, it comes down to what your expectations are with Oklahoma football. And I've said it many times on this podcast, my expectations are always a national championship. That's what Oklahoma plays for. And it was after the LSU game, after the Peach Bowl, where I, I started to kind of look myself in the mirror and, and realize, you know what? I, this team isn't here, isn't there. And if you're going to enjoy watching Oklahoma football, you're going to have to maybe temper your expectations and change them up a little bit. And everything that happened Saturday makes me feel a lot smarter about thinking that way because it's it's pretty obvious it's like it's it's just not there it's it's not where it is it's not where it needs to be you I mean you can talk about how bad the big 12 conference is at times sometimes it plays better than it really is that's fine the ACC is really bad too it doesn't matter if Clemson goes in there and just kills everybody and then they're ready to go and they play really tough and they won a playoff game last season and then lost to LSU so it, it can be done. You can be in an in a average to below average conference and just beat up on everybody and be really, really good. Oklahoma's not there. It, where, I mean, have they, I was going to ask you, have they been I mean, they've, there? They've dominated the conference. They have, like, in terms of I know, wins, wins and, and losses. loss perspective. Of course they have. But it's like an, an eye test, the way they win games. It's like they're getting out. They're getting out and... They're on the way to beat these teams, but they cannot finish. Actually, and I guess that's that's the that's the question. How do they finish? They actually had they had two seasons um, recently where they ran through the Big Twelve and were pretty much completely unchallenged, and that was 2015 and 2016. Uh, that was Baker's first and second year. Um, 2016 kind of they went nine and zero in the Big Twelve, but I mean they they killed pretty much everybody. Of course, they had some close games like that Tech game. And whatnot, but they—I think they won every other game by double digits. And then 2015, I think they won six Big 12 games by over 30 points that year. But that was also so, the game they lost to Texas, right? And Texas was a huge. Was Texas potentially a 20-point dog? I don't think so. That crossed my mind too. But I—I I, I don't think OU has ever been that big of a dog against Texas. Texas was bad that year. Uh, or I'm sorry, the other way around. I don't think Texas yeah. has ever been that big of a dog to OU. Uh, but that, yeah, that was that game was awful. That that was totally unacceptable as well. But after that game, they killed literally everybody. Um, just went on a run and like they they put teams away. And I don't think it's any sort of it's 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 not a coincidence at all. That team was extremely experienced on defense. Um, and they had they they kind of they weren't really elite anywhere, but they had an answer for you for pretty much everything that they would throw at you. And that's like that's and. You know, you saw that team did get blown out by Clemson in the playoff, but that defense was also missing three or four major contributors in that game too, and and that's why they got killed. Um, 
and that 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 has by far been the best built defense. Uh, I mean, arguably this decade outside of 2013, and it's it's really it's really concerning that there's been I mean there's been multiple recruiting cycles since then, and that they haven't been able to build a defense like that. And so, Lee, I, I know you weren't really paying a ton of attention at that time, but that was uh, that was senior year Eric Stryker. That was Jordan Evans and Dominique Alexander were the two linebackers, and they were both, I think, three-year starters at that time. Um, Charles Tapper was on the defensive line. The secondary was like Zach Sanchez and Stephen Parker, and, um, and they were good. They were experienced, and they were good. That They would have won the national championship in 2017 very easily with that defense. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma, 17-point favorites in 2015 over Texas, so not not 20. So you, a little bit ago you said when we were talking about the the more detailed coverages and like maybe this is what Oklahoma was trying and that's why there was some miscommunication. You said, but why? Because it's Kansas State. This is my transition to the offense. That's basically my thought process in the first half. Whenever Oklahoma did a double pass and went uh, and had Spencer Rattler run a route with Char- uh, Charleston Rambo throwing him a pass where it put Spencer Rattler in harm's way with safeties and in the air. And I thought to myself, why? <laughs> why now? Don't run trick plays against Kansas State. There's no reason to. So that's kind of like a random transition to the offense. I, I did not expect to talk about the defense as long as we did, but that's fine. I know my, uh, I guess, I mean, if we're going to, my biggest takeaways after rewatching the game is that Actually, I don't think the offensive line played all that bad. And actually, I kind of thought they played pretty well. And I know some people disagree. A lot of fans would disagree with that as well. But, I mean, I, I, was, I was going into the rewatch just expecting to see the O-line just getting pushed off the ball and it looking like an embarrassment. And I, I really didn't see that. Uh, I, I saw, you know, you, 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 there was one really bad running play, I think, in the beginning of the second half where – Everything just collapsed. I think TJ Pledger took a three-yard loss, and that was bad. But for the most part, I, I thought the offensive line, when it came to the running game, were blocking up runs pretty solid. And Kansas State's safeties, a lot of the time, would come up and, and make some plays in the hole, one-on-one with the running back. And let me bring up my notes real quick here because I, I, I took a couple of these notes down. I, I will say this, like as a contrasting viewpoint and obviously you'll 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 jump in here in a second I did hear from uh, Keegan Keegan Renault from the Inside OU podcast and he reached out to me and he shared a play from the second half that looks like Creed Humphrey he could have done more to to spring Seth McGowan for a big run and Keegan was saying that Creed doesn't do a good enough job of getting a hit on the nose guard and on the play Tyrese Robinson is pulling around past Creed but then when he sees that the nose is kind of squirting away from Creed a little bit, that Robinson has to move over and help out with that block. So it's like a two-on-one block, which then leads to the safety for Kansas State coming down to make the tackle on Seth McGowan. And that Keegan was saying, if, you know, if Creed would have done a better job of taking care of that nose one-on-one, because it's Creed Humphrey. You know, we think he's a first-round draft pick. You expect him to play well every single snap. And, you know, in theory, he takes care of that block one-on-one. Robinson is pulling. He's free to go upfield block that safety, and then in theory would spring Seth McGowan for more yards. So uh, that is Keegan's contention. I think it's very technical. It's very detailed. 
Uh, I suppose that if you, you add a lot of those small things up in a game like that, because Keegan said that he saw that all throughout the game, uh, a lot of those little things can lead up to some bad outcomes for Oklahoma. There's no doubt about that. So, I mean, with my untrained eye when it comes to offensive line play, that to me looked like a play where I saw an aggressive safety coming down and making a nice play on Seth McGowan. I mean, if, if the safety's being over-aggressive, soften him up a little bit, stretch the field, which Oklahoma curiously could not do on Saturday. They could not stretch the field. That's my main, that's honestly my main takeaway. Um, and and it, maybe it shouldn't be, but that's, it's kind of the thing that's on the forefront of my mind. I think they threw three little bubble screens to Charleston Rambo with Drake Stoops as his main blocker. And I like... This is two weeks after me kind of admoni- like admonishing everybody for not seeing what I see in Charleston Rambo. You should not be throwing bubble screens to Charleston Rambo. Charleston Rambo's value is is on home run balls. They need he needs to be running streaks and they need to be throwing bombs to him. You go yeah, back I, and watch I tend some to plays. Agree with that. <laughs> there are there are there are plays left on the field where Charleston Rambo is running down the field and he has multiple steps in single coverage on guys. And Rattlers missed him. I think it might actually. Uh, I think I think Keegan might have actually tweeted something out earlier this week about that. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like I'm not going to sit here and say um, while I was watching the game live, honestly, the offensive line did not seem that terrible to me. Um, to me, my, my my main takeaway is that this offense really misses Ramondre Stevenson, Trey Sermon, and Kennedy Brooks, like a yeah. lot, especially and I, especially Trey Sermon. And I, it sucks that somehow he got just like out of, you know, you know, gotten the bad graces of the coaches last year at some point in time. Cause I'm thinking specifically to the, um, the play where, where Seth McGowan fumbled and there was nothing he could do about it. I mean, he, it was, it was, a, it was, the helmet was in the perfect spot and it's just, that's, that's what was going to happen there. The thing is though, I'm certain that Trey Sermon makes that guy miss like certain that that happens. And then it's probably like a 30-yard gain because there was no one else there. And, and that's what I was seeing. I was seeing these one-on-one running back against safety moments in the game and Oklahoma running backs not able to make that first guy miss, which perhaps have we taken that for granted the last three, four years? And I like Seth McGowan a lot. I'm surprised he wasn't able. And granted, I, at the same time, though, is this like McPherson was the guy who made the play made the tackle, popped the ball out. Is this just, like, did Kansas State's safeties just play the game of their lives? I mean, they were, I mean, they were aggressively attacking the run downhill a lot of the game. And when I was watching back, I know this is potentially apples to oranges, but when I was watching a little bit of that TCU-Iowa State game from last week that we're going to talk a little bit about later, both teams, when Iowa State's running the football, when TCU's running the football, I'm not seeing aggressive safeties come down in the box a lot and making tackles in the hole like I saw – against Kansas State and potentially I'm a victim of recency bias it's all you know it's always possible but it just it seemed like a lot of the times there was decent hat on a hat play by the offensive line and either the backside end was really attacking that pulling guard around to try to get from the backside and either Pledger or McGowan would be trying to find their blocks or trying to find the lane and they get caught from behind a little bit or slowed up enough with enough time for people to help out or there would just be a safety coming up and making a nice one-on-one tackle. I mean, early on in the game, and I think Gabe Eicher tweeted out a thread of some plays where he was defending the offensive line. It was early on in the game where McGowan got 
a hole through the left side off tackle. And McPherson comes up and makes a he gets some pretty good, makes a pretty good hit on, on McGowan. Nice play. If McGowan can somehow make the guy miss, it's a touchdown. It's like a 70-yard touchdown. There's nobody out there except for him. He's the, he's the safety on that play. Like He's the last line of defense. So, I mean, they were really aggressive, and it worked out really well for him. And, it's where you, and I, and that's I, where I don't you know really why. miss Ramondre Stevenson. Like, oh, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is a guy who is who – is, Ramondre Stevenson is the type of guy who is going to be able to make elite plays against elite players. And he, he's, he's the type of guy who closes games and puts games out of reach against teams like Kansas State. Um, and, th- and that's not to say that Seth McGowan's not going to be a really good player for them at some point in time. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, man, I, I, like, I, I kind of agree with you. I feel like the, the run game so far, and I thought this was the case, especially with Marcus Major against Missouri State. The run game so far, it kind of breaking down this early in the season, by my eyes, is mostly on the running backs right now. Um, which is something you don't, you don't think about a lot as running, like a running back. It's like, yeah, you got a good offensive line, just go. But OU's, OU's running game is highly technical. It is about leverage and space and angles. And maybe it really does take a lot of time to just kind of get used to that. Um, you know, I, yeah, this- I, I just, I, I've, I've thought about it a lot since Saturday. I really feel like if Trey Sermon was on this team, they would not have lost that game. Um, or, I mean, Kennedy Brooks would have been nice to have back there. Yeah, but Sermon is better than Brooks, though. So that's, like, why. <laughs> I, I it kind of it Sermon, sucks, yeah. They, uh, they're both good They're both good backs. They're both it, good it backs. It sucks that they're... And so, and, and take this with a grain of salt, maybe. Uh, but, I mean, the head ball coach, Lincoln Riley, when he was asked about the offensive line, he, he said that he thought Oklahoma, the offensive line, the run game fits were better against Kansas State than they were the week before. Granted, Missouri State's Missouri State, but... He thought the run game fits. That's the way. That's the way he he, he posed it. Were better. Uh, he just lamented bat some bad pass pro late in the game, which is hundred percent true, and some holding penalties late in the game, and then of course the turnovers. And I think in hindsight, in absolute hindsight, those two turnovers in the first half were absolute killers, because Oklahoma was moving the ball pretty easily. They were averaging 7.6 yards per play in the first half against Kansas State. And K-State wasn't stopping them aside from you know, a tip ball turnover. And then not a great throw by Spencer Rattler. Okay, that's a good – you know, give them credit for that. But Oklahoma kind of beat themselves with turning the ball over. It would have been a lot nicer, obviously, to go into the half up 35-7 or 28-7 or even 27-7 at worst, kick a couple field goals than uh, just up by two scores. And they, they were still up by three scores late in the third quarter and didn't matter. But, I, I, I mean, the turnovers, obviously, and then the fumble was huge. You know, so the, everything just was bad. It all went Kansas State's way. Hey, and, you know what? If I was looking at it, glass, you know, glass half full, maybe they got all their bad luck out of the way and they're just going to be a freaking just freight train the rest of the season. <laughs> Like seriously, like yeah, that. you know, if 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 anybody wants like super sunshine pumpy Grant, hey, this this loss for OU is really similar to the loss that Ohio State had early in the season in uh, in 2014 when they ended up winning the national title. They lost at home at night to a West Virginia team that finished four and eight. I'm sorry, a Virginia Tech team that finished four and eight. 
and it was a it was JT Barrett making like his second career start. I don't know. It could it? Yeah. I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think OU <laughs> has anyone as good as Nick Bosa on their team or any of like 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 the five first round NFL draft picks from uh from that team. But I don't know if you want to if if you want to look at like some sort of example and say, hey, there's there's an example of a team with like a really high pedigree like Ohio State coming out and just laying a total egg against a team that was terrible and then going on to have real, real success over the season. That's one thing you can point towards. Um, All right. But also yes. like, but also that Pump means that nothing. sunshine. <laughs> but also everything I just said doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and, and also, I mean, you could look at that, you know, that 2015 OU team that lost their Big 12 opener. I'm sorry, the the second Big 12 game to, to that bad Texas team that season. And that's a Texas team that was probably just as offensively challenged as this Kansas State team. Um, and they lost, and then they did, they reeled off like like eight straight wins after that and killed everybody. But I mean, they don't have all the senior leadership that team had. They don't have Baker Mayfield. They don't have Sterling Shepard. People are. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be some guys who really need to step up. Um, and it's not like I, the defense clearly really misses Ronnie Perkins. Uh, they miss Jalen Redmond a lot as well. Um. It's going to be tough. This this may be this may be a, a a season very reminiscent of those of those really tough, you know, 2005, 2009 and 2014 seasons. This may be one of those years. Man, I hope not. I I, uh, I just wanted to wrap up the offensive line talk uh, real quick. All of everything I said about that, it's not to say that I think Oklahoma is going to come out against Iowa State, you know, and average like six yards per carry on on the ground. I I made this point earlier in the podcast. At this point, I'm not qualified to make any predictions at the moment based on last week because it was such a swing and a miss. You know, I just wanted to point out what my eyes were telling me. I know that Keegan disagrees. A lot of Sooner Nation disagrees, which is totally fine. Uh, You know, I'm. Essentially, I'm just not all that concerned with Oklahoma's offense. I never really have been. Oklahoma does that well. I think it's going to be fine. We do know, Grant, you always talk about it. The offensive line takes time to gel at Oklahoma. They just don't have as much time this year. So that'll probably factor in, too. You, you would hope that they start to get better and better as, as the season goes on. It's just now they got a loss under their belt. And, you know, once they get running backs back, hopefully they get Ramondre Stevenson back at some point, and then everything will start to look better. Because it's all got to go hand in hand. But ultimately, man, I, we spent the first hour of this podcast or more talking about the defense. That, that's always my main thing. It's, you don't give, up dumb, don't give up dumb explosive plays. Even though the offense struggled at the end of the game and didn't come through, the defense don't give up dumb explosive plays. Stop it. That, that's a lot more preventable, I think, than uh, the offense being on its heels. Even though it's, it's a fair argument to say, well, Oklahoma's great at offense. They should be able to come back down and score. Okay. Uh, so anyways that's the kind of the last thing I wanted to say about the offensive line and, and just kind of my where, where my concern lies it's it's definitely more on the defensive side of the football than it is the offense I think Spencer Rattler is still really good and yeah I think when I think when Spencer yeah. Rattler drops back to pass uh, a vast majority of college football in that situation is going to be terrified still um, outside of four or five plays Spencer Rattler was really good on Saturday so I thought that too. I mean, he held the ball a little bit too long late. Obviously, there was more pressure on him. And you know, everyone knew that a young player was going to have issues at some point. He's young. I mean, that's 
to be expected. We just didn't expect it in a game against Kansas State, uh, but it, ha- it happened. Okay. It's just, yeah, the big Fine. difference here is that Spencer Rattler at a place like OU right now, a t- a, just a program that just cannot play consistently competent defense. Um, a lot of, like, Alabama, if he was at, if Spencer Rattler was at Alabama right now, he'd probably look just as great, but he would not, he wouldn't have to go through those growing pains. He wouldn't probably. have to sweat it. Or he at least, have to sweat I mean, it. you wouldn't have to sweat it. You're right. You, you can go through those growing pains with plenty of leeway because you know that your defense is going to bail you out 99% of the time. Uh, and that's, yeah, like, and, and they talked about it on the broadcast too. Like, th- there probably is an unusual amount of pressure on Spencer Rattler right now. I mean, he probably did go into that, you know, especially in the, the fourth quarter of that game, thinking, well, crap, I mean, I have to win this game now. Like, that's kind of where, and it just kind of happened out of nowhere. And you and know what? For, I, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that because he's got yeah, the he's talent the guy. to do it. And you know, you know yeah. why I'm fine with it? Because Lincoln Riley's telling me that he wants that to be on him by the plays he's calling. He's having Spencer throw the ball a lot. And how much does that have to do with his confidence in the running game or the offensive line right now? Or how much of that is Lincoln Riley saying, you know what, I think I got a really good quarterback and I'm going to put it on him. He threw it 41 times. He was dropping back to pass in situations when Oklahoma was still leading the game by a lot and maybe they could have just tried to salt the game away and run the ball. Like I, I, honest, but, I really honestly believe right now their, their, best, their best bet right now in terms of personnel and offense might be to go traditional air raid. I, I mean... <laughs> Well, that, seriously, that, no, I, you, you might be right that the, the problem with the Kansas State game that I, I can't put my finger on, I can't exactly figure out why, why the, the, the dropping back and passing, it, it worked for the most part, but then it didn't work is I, they could not hit that big play. They could not hit that play over top against Kansas State. Kansas State did a great job of keeping everything had, in front of them. They had and, them there. There yeah. was one. Um, there was a play. It was on third down and it was when uh, Rattler hit Stogner on a slant. And it was a really, it was a great throw, like from where he was. Um, it was on a third down. It was like, it was, I can't remember where it was, but uh, I think I saw this on Twitter too. But there was, there was a very clear hole for Rattler to step up into there. And Charleston Rambo was wide open downfield with no one hmm. within five yards of him. And he was, okay. people were chasing him. That's a touchdown. It would have a touchdown and they didn't score on that drive. Or maybe they did. I, I can't really remember. No, but, that um, was no, that was the drive when they were short of the first down, so it was fourth down and short, and the they didn't get it. They went for it, and Rattler sneak didn't get it. That so was yeah, that drive. I mean, that's can't leave the like. Those are the types of plays that Jalen Hurts left on the field over and over and over again. And like I'm, I'm telling you, Charleston Rambo is running wide open downfield all hmm. the freaking time. I need to go back and watch that play. Um. If Baker Mayfield was Charleston Rambo's quarterback, he would have so many deep bomb touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had D.D. Westbrook, so, I mean, you got a good point. That happened all the time. Marquise Brown happened all the time. And that's just, hopefully, it's Spencer getting to the film room. And if that is true and those guys are running wide, wide open, hopefully it's just him seeing it and connecting the defense with they were playing and be like, all right, you know what? I can make those throws. I can hit those plays. Like, on the field, field level, I just maybe I didn't see it. But if he can see it up top and see it in the film room, maybe that'll click on something. And again, like he's played football for a lot part of I mean, he's a young guy, but obviously he's played football since he was a kid, blah, blah, blah. But this is the first time at this level, first time he's playing an FBS team. <laughs> and it was really good for yeah. the first two and a half quarters. I want to walk, really back three quarters. My, uh, walk back my air raid comment a little bit. I don't know if that's. 
because I still think they're. Uh, I mean, they need to because, run the ball. I mean, yeah, I know because 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 Willis Hall and Stogner are still. It's it's kind of their X factor right now. So, but also, I mean, yeah, like you can't really. I just. I'm kind of talked myself into it now. I don't really love their running backs right now. Like I just I don't like and I know like I know McGowan has shown flashes, but him fumbling in that huge crucial moment, like I don't really want him to get the ball that much anymore after that. Um Well, here's the thing. Now they got that they got losses under their belt. Honestly, there's gonna be a lot of pressure off these guys. Cause like whatever. I, you I think mean, it is? I think it's the other way I around. Think so. I think there's way more pressure on them now. Hmm. I don't know. I they got I mean, now they they have to go into Iowa State at night. Now, OU hasn't lost back to back big or back to back regular season games since 1999. Yeah, but I mean, I think there'd be a lot more pressure on them if they had beaten Kansas State and they were going in as you know 14, 15, 17 point favorites. Now that you know, a lot of people aren't going to really expect much from Oklahoma. I think a lot of people are probably going to think Oklahoma's going to lose that game, and. That's the thing that I'm trying to kind of remember is in the last few years when Oklahoma has lost, they have came back and played pretty well. They have, whether or not they cover the spread or they blow teams out, I don't know, but I feel like they have played better. So that was always that was always the M.O. under Stoops, too. Like they always came back and played really well after a loss. And so, yeah, and, you know, it's this is one of those things where you wish you knew what the mindset of the team was. I know if I was on that team, I'd be fired up to get back out there. I think they pissed. are. They so, are, and I'm I'm sure they are. Like I, I, they understand. Like I, they nobody wanted to lose that game. It just kind of happened. Um, I just what a weird game. I just I don't know. Like and I know we kind of I, I I sort of compared it to you to that that 2017 Iowa State game. Uh, that Iowa State team was way better than this Kansas State team. Um, it's. I, I honestly I can't it's 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 most like them losing to Texas in 2015 a team that is just completely impotent on offense um but also Texas had a lot of talent on defense and that's why what a weird game I, I it might not, it may not even have an equal at all <laughs> I'd say I don't have I mean because you brought up the Iowa State game from 2017 and I was like I guess but the thing with the reason it didn't feel like that to me is because that Iowa State game it was so weird where there was so few possessions for Oklahoma because Iowa State had the ball the entire time. But when Oklahoma had the football, they scored every single time. Except for the one random turnover where there was like a bad snap, I think. And like Trey, Trey Sermon or Baker fumbled in the red zone. And then yeah, I think the, la- the last the drive. Yeah, and then the last drive when Oklahoma got stopped on fourth down when they were going to try to uh, either, I think, either tie or win the game or something like that. I mean, the Oklahoma offense was great the entire game for the most part, whereas this game they had the turnovers and then they started to stall. So that's why it just didn't really feel like Iowa state to me. It, it, it didn't feel like anything. It, it, it's like, really, it was more, it's, I think, I think I brought it up earlier in the show, but it's, it's more akin to that 2017 Baylor game. If they lost that game. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, what it, it would felt more like some of those like. games. Right. It felt like one of those games where they blow, but then they end up finding a dumb way to win. Kind of like, but also I mean, at the same time, like I, I, Iowa state last year, like Iowa state should have won the game if they would have got that two point conversion. But the Oklahoma partner Motley made that play in the end zone on two point play. I mean, that was a dumb way for Oklahoma to end up winning a game they probably shouldn't have won. But this time they 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 should have beaten Kansas State and and they lost. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and maybe maybe yeah, things will I, even out. 
They might. They might. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think that Baylor game is probably a pretty good comparison, even though Kansas State doesn't have anywhere doesn't have anyone anywhere near as good as Denzel Mims, who went off in that game. But so I, I digress. Know, what a stupid game. That, yeah. We should move on. Well, real quick, I, I I know late in the game, I heard I've heard people say like I I just I didn't have any confidence in Spencer Rattler. I didn't think that they were going to go down and score. I, and I I never had that. I I felt good about him the entire time. He's a really good player. I mean, there oh, were a I, couple. Of, I knew it was over. That game was over. Well, like, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought I, I thought there was a great chance. I mean, do you remember there was a third down and fifteen? when they were only up a touchdown at his own seven, and he had that, that throw to Theo Howard for a first down? 30-15? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great play. I mean, it, they converted nothing, a fourth down late early in the game. That feeling had nothing to do with me not having faith in Spencer Rattler. It was me oh. watching the game. The, the team was mentally done after all. Like, gotcha. they were clearly done. Like, they had mentally checked out. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, the last year or two, I just against kind of bad teams they've kind of found way like the Iowa State game the TCU game they found ways to win at the end and I kind of just thought ah this team this dumb team is going to find a dumb way to to somehow win this game by a field goal or a touchdown and they didn't oh hey of course of course the Kansas State kicker who missed two kicks against Arkansas State and like didn't wasn't even close looked terrible didn't even look like Mm -hmm. a competent kicker at all of course just calmly he he could not have nailed that 50 yarder (laughs) any harder I mean that was that was the that was the most that was the most made kick I think I've ever seen. It could not have been more perfect. And I'm sure, yeah, I, I think a lot, of, again, I know we joke a lot, but I, when was the last time that a, that a kicker missed a field goal against OU? The 80s? I, I just, I don't. Oh, I, th- I think a kicker missed one last year. I think there was a time, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's Texas kickers that don't miss against Oklahoma. Hold up. I'm looking for three-word reviews on Twitter so we can get to that segment. Here we go. Oh, hey, we haven't... Um, the Drake Stoops had a really good game. And he's, he's clearly very competent in that, like, in that kind of role. Although, if he is like, if he's out there and he's your main blocker on a swing, like on a swing pass, just no. It's, he's still really trying dumb. to find a Kansas State wide receiver to block. That, uh, that failed over and over and over again. But yeah, he, he caught... Two really big plays. Touchdown, obviously, and then a long third down conversion in the second half. Good for him. All right, let's go to three-word reviews. Let's start on Facebook because all you guys on Facebook are great. From Philip, still no defense. Uh, Ned's is pretty interesting. Metaphor for 2020. Started pretty great and then ends terribly. We don't know how 2020 is going to end yet, but... Uh, well, it's not looking great. Uh, Trey says, what the? Nope. Uh, more from Phillip, same old Sooners. Uh, Dakota going with more 2020 hate, simply saying, I hate 2020. Uh, Benjamin plays to kind of what we've talked about a lot in this podcast, foot off gas. Um, interesting one from Travis. Rattler got rattled. Hopefully we don't have to use that one again, Ever but pretty creative. Um, let's see. And then Justin's got a bunch. Uh, I like need a drink. That's, that was probably pretty apropos. He's referencing you, Grant. KSU rat poison. Could have been more right about that. 
another unexpected loss. Oh, and we didn't even talk about this. Justin's three-word review, no defensive turnovers. I mean, this team just cannot like, – it's, it's not even worth talking about anymore. It's like they can't force turnovers. They, they it's can't a, turn it's, anybody over. It has, it's, it's definitely has to do with the scheme and what they're doing on defense. It's not – there's something that they're not doing. For yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's, if they keep messing up coverages and plays and aren't in the right spot, I mean, it's not going to It's a help. trend. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. they just can't do it. Like, I mean, I, they're, it's not just going to magically start happening. I mean, clearly this works really well in the Pac-12 – at Washington State, because <laughs> there was a lot of turnovers in that short time he was there in uh, in Pullman. But I don't know if this works. I don't know. I don't know. This is so weird. Start start recruiting NFL draft picks. I mean, what else? Uh, what else can you do? I don't. I, yeah. yeah. So that's from Facebook. Uh, I had a lot more on Twitter. Let me go back to Twitter real fast. Uh, our cousin James, big K State guy, big plays, turnovers. That's true. Uh, Steve, my coworker at News 9, Steve McGee, he also a big K-State guy. He was actually at the game working. What a great gift that he got. Goes, Oklahoma's a four-touchdown favorite over his favorite team. He just, you know what, I, I'm not working today. I'm just at a game. His favorite team ends up beating Oklahoma. So I know Steve had a great time. Uh, his three-word review, COVID-19 season. Um, let's see. I don't know if you're on Twitter looking at these or not, Grant. If are you not? Yes, no? Uh, I, I try not to go on Twitter as much as humanly possible now. Fair enough. Uh, Jamie on Twitter says, Speed D sucks. Skip, I blame COVID. Mark says, O-line is messy. And uh, kind of punching at you a little bit here, Grant, saying, Rambo ain't it. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, as in, in terms of bubble screens, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh couple of uh, more from Kelsa, at Kelsa Ronnieand, C-H-Z, used, used to disappointment. That's sad. And Greg says, no longer surprised. Uh, Dylan says, expected from Lincoln. Hmm. Uh, Tony, his three-word review is, they need leaders. Uh, Dakota with Fire Mike Stoops, an oldie but a goodie. Uh, I like this one from Gonzo Strangelove. He says, fraud and con man. And uh, he's referencing how Alex Grinch has said that in the past. If you, uh, you know, I, I can't remember the exact context he said it, and I should. I think saying up there, uh, I know it's in relation to like himself. You know, he's a fraud and a con man if he doesn't do this or say this. I can't remember exactly what he said, though. Uh, Tony says, really bad football. Okay. Yeah. And let's find one more. <laughs> uh, here we go. I'll bring this up. Caleb. I actually met Caleb at, out in Piedmont. So it was nice meeting you, Caleb. But uh, this is surprising because he said, hey, I you know, listen to your podcast. They're great. He says, didn't even watch. <laughs> So, okay, <laughs> probably the right move. Uh, actually, okay, I'll, we'll end on this one from Brad. This is pretty good. What the deuce? <laughs> oh yeah, Deuce Fawn. I hate Deuce Fawn. Yes, I, I yes, will. I will. Are. I will not join the 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 love train of Juice. I, I do not like him. I mean, yeah, he he's is a guy. not. He, he is not someone that I even think is like as fun as a plucky little player. I do not like him. 
He is oh. he is absolutely on my S list for uh, for college football players. Let's see. Oh, also, I wanted to point out that aside from one play, he got a sack. Uh, Wyatt Hubert was irrelevant in that game. Like he, at least in Arkansas State, like he sacked Spencer Rattler. But other than that, he was just running upfield, doing nothing for the oh, most hey, that, part. That, uh, that reminds me, um, another take that I had, you know, before the game that was, I was kind of questioning. It's like, you know, sort of put up or shut up or put up or shut up time for, uh, for Deshaun White because he just doesn't look that great. And then he had what I thought was probably his best, uh, best game of his career probably on Saturday. Um, although I, do, I don't recall really what he was doing on any of those busts, but I don't, I don't remember him being particularly responsible for any of them. He was really good in the first half, I think on K-State's first or second drive, where he was responsible for the quarterback, Skyler, and Thompson tried to scramble, and he was able to maneuver and slide around an offensive lineman. It, was, look at, it looked like a design run play. And he was able to beat the block and go and tackle Thompson before the first down. That was a really nice play. That was and a then, great play. Yes. And then his, his other really great play was uh, after, I believe, Spencer Rattler didn't get the first down on fourth down and short, and it was a, a, a turnover on downs. The very next play was whenever he blitzed and sacked Skylar Thompson and put them right behind the chains. And immediately, K-State, again, was behind the chains, and I think OU's defense got them three and out that series. So... After that play, I don't recall any notable other plays, though, from him. But that doesn't mean he, he didn't do anything. I just didn't notice anything the rest of the game. But, yeah. So, what are some other things that I'm wrong about trying to dig into the... Uh, this may be kind of just... Uh, Here, look oh, into yeah. it. I just want to... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, this is completely unrelated to, uh, to OU football. So, if you, got, if, if, if you have more OU football stuff, we can, uh, I, can, I can touch on this when we're wrapping up. Okay, yeah. I, I was going to shout out uh, a guy that we didn't see on the Arkansas State tape who was pretty good was Khalid Duke, who ended up getting a sack. He was like probably the best player on defense. Uh, him and that McPherson guy who was the leading tackler who uh, forced the fumble. He was like he barely played against Arkansas State. Uh, I'm, I was trying to figure it's out how many guys. He's a backup. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Uh, I was trying to figure out how many guys were were out. I think I read somewhere that they were they were down something like was it eight players in their two deep or something? And yeah, Oklahoma I think both of, their, still lo- both of their starting safeties were out. I think was the where their only starters out, and that was it. Everyone else was just backups. So yes, that McPherson guy is a backup. Well, not not anymore. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, um, so yeah it was just whatever hats off to Kansas State for winning the game I don't think they're going to win too many more this season well don't forget though they have a really good coach as we know so they're gonna they, to, they could they're gonna have to find games. out a way to to score other than because when I watch that tape the only way they can score is throwing it to Deuce Vaughn mm-hmm. and and hoping that the defense busts which most defenses really aren't going to do in that case so and Deuce Vaughn right. is like is as a as a slot receiver, sure, he's fine. I mean, I <laughs> Yeah, I mean we'll I can, see I, how I, I'm not gonna we'll see how it goes. I cannot I I preemptively cannot stand the love fest for that guy for the next four years. I just cannot <laughs> stand it at all. The guy oh, is not this? 
I, I understand. I understand everyone wants to make the Darren Sproles comparison. The guy cannot hold Darren Sproles' jock. Please do not start this stuff. Yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't particularly exciting or that great against Arkansas State. He had like maybe one or two plays where he kind of got into space and got like 15 yards, and he might have like a 20-yard run or like on a screen pass. Uh, but yeah, aside from the, the explosive plays, he did make one really nice play, which was one of the plays in the, th- uh, the fourth quarter where it was third down. They did a Texas route out of the backfield, threw it to him underneath, should have been stopped for a seven-yard gain. But Oklahoma forgot to tackle, and like three guys just bounced off of him, and he got 35 yards. Do you remember that play at all? Because I totally blocked yes. that out until I rewatched the game. Yes, I remember it. So that play, obviously the long catch and run, and then the touchdown run. Aside from that, he, he didn't do anything in the game. But he did have three huge plays. So, I mean, your point is well taken. He's had explosive plays. Will other defenses allow those explosive plays moving forward? I mean, some surely will. Whenever he is in the game now for defensive coordinators, he is going to be public enemy number one. That's whenever Skyler's going to go to Chabaston Taylor. He's really good. At least he wasn't that one play. I I guess other than that, he looks like Jaden Davis kind of. Covered him pretty well after that. Well, Jaden Davis, I didn't notice at all during the game, which means he probably had a great game. How about one random nugget that I didn't know this rule, but late in the game when Rattler got sacked, but uh, Wyatt Hubert uh, got called for holding on Jeremiah Hall. So it was off. It was uh, it was called uh, since I guess since Rattler didn't throw the ball and got sacked. The holding call is just a 10 yard penalty but not an automatic first down. I didn't know that. I guess I don't understand that because if Hubert wouldn't have held, he would have had Hall for like a 20-yard gain. So that's kind of BS. But like, apparently I that's, mean that, that's the rule, apparently. And yeah, it's the rule. Like, and that was on a third and 18, so instead of an automatic first down, it just it moved it to third and eight, and uh, Oklahoma didn't get it. But uh, yeah, it should have been nice to have an automatic first down. I mean, it would have been it, that would have been a great time for Spencer Rattler just to force a ball up into the air and throw a pick because it wouldn't have mattered because it would have gotten called back. And apparently, since he threw it, it would have been or unless maybe he's got to throw it to the intended receiver who was being held. I don't I don't know. That's a confusing rule that I did not know about. Whatever. I, I mean, and, uh, whatever. that was weird. All right. So I wow. Uh, Iowa State. What do you got on this game? They're playing. They're playing Saturday. Iowa State won a close game against TCU. I, uh, I've only watched three quarters of it. Very transparent here. I uh, watched three quarters of the game. Haven't thought a whole lot about it, to be honest with you. I watched, I watched the game live. The way they I had look. it on. Just, I was sort of just watching it. I have no takeaways from that game whatsoever. I, I just don't know. Iowa State looked absolutely dreadful in week one. So did Kansas State. Um. I thought Iowa State looked a lot better against TCU. I thought TCU actually looked a lot better than I expected them to. Um, How about Max Duggan being able to play? Good for him. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Good for him. Um, no, I like I'm. I am looking at Iowa State in the exact same light as I looked at them the last three seasons. Basically, they are Iowa State with Brock Purdy. I mean, that's that's what it is. It's going to be. Um, you know, you talk like I talked earlier about that three safety look that Kansas State used a whole lot. Um, I think Iowa State's defense is really going to taste is really going to test Spencer Rattler's patience for sure. Like they're going to make him check it down, and so this is actually where 
this is where I get a little concerned because kind of where OU has actually really succeeded against Iowa State, where other programs in the in the conference haven't, is that when Iowa State does put those three safeties back and they have the light box, OU has been able to impose their will in the run game. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do that this time around. Um, but also, I mean, I, I don't know. They might be able to. Maybe a, a week of practice and, and the motivation after losing, maybe they'll look a whole hell of a lot better in that regard. Uh, but they don't really have anybody who can, like, they don't really have anyone who can just kind of put their head down and get, like, tough yardage. That guy right now is Seth McGowan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing because, again, the theme of the Kansas State game was they were aggressively attacking Oklahoma's running game, and they were be, they were successful coming up from the safety position and making plays and, and getting running backs on the ground. Watching TCU run the ball, they went a lot of, a lot of up-tempo, hurry-up, and, and what I've been watching so far. Iowa State's doing what Iowa State does. They play that deep cloud coverage, a lot of space. Not a whole lot of safeties coming up aggressive to the line of scrimmage trying to stop the run. Granted, they're playing TCU, not Oklahoma. Maybe that'll change. Maybe the game plan will change. But if I was, I'm just kind of curious to see if we're going to see the same thing against Iowa State where the offensive line, I guess, does a solid job of blocking up their man in front. And are we going to see that running back get through the hole and then see a safety immediately right there like we saw a lot against Kansas State? Or was that just a thing where Kansas State played their butts off and schemed it up really well and there's going to be more open space and they're going to get uh, they're going to get offensive linemen out to linebackers at the second level to make blocks because Iowa State only has three down linemen. They only rush three. So that's I'm pretty interested to see how that looks in the running game. Is that yeah, right? you know, I'm, I, Cause, cause I, I think no it's going to be really like. interesting. I, that Iowa State playing that cloud coverage, I, it's, it's really easy for me to envision Spencer Rattler getting confused and struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Um. But also at the same time, I kind of feel like in this in this era where Iowa State has sort of gained the reputation for being the best defensive team in the conference over the last two or three seasons, Oklahoma has had no problem moving the ball on them whatsoever in any game they've played. Uh, even last year when it was so close, OU was moving it extremely easily pretty much the entire game. Um, so it seems like Lincoln Riley has a pretty good idea of how to attack this defense. But also... He's had Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and he had the, you know, last year Jalen Hurts was that guy who could put his head down and get the extra yardage, the tough yardage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, it's going to, this is an interesting game. Like, I, and of course, I'm not breaking any news here. I, I could easily see OU losing this game. It's not, it's not going to shock me at all. Like, would it shock you at all if Iowa State just comes out gangbusters and just jumps all over them right away? Nope. Not at, at all. At night on the road. And I know it's, it's only going to be what, like 15% capacity or something, but. Oh, are they going to have fans this time? Yeah, they are. Good. So good for them. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State's wearing their like all black uniforms. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's pre- it's really easy for me to envision this kind of getting away from them, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll I'm see. gonna I'm gonna just straddle that fence right now, and I and and be a terrible podcaster because I you know I'm I'm not gonna have really any thoughts or takes. I I don't know. I don't. I, again, I don't. Whatever I say doesn't matter. I I blew it last week, and I, I don't deserve to even have a have an opinion. Uh, I will say though, I'm curious to see how Anton Harrison, who ended up playing a lot against Kansas State, finally at left tackle, how he deals with Jaquan Bailey, who in the first three quarters of the TCU game had a couple of sacks, sack fumble that he recovered himself. 
looked pretty good. And I know he missed a lot of last season. I don't think he played against OU a season ago. So that'll be interesting to see him coming off the edge, how the young pup deals with him. And on the other side of the ball, I don't know if Oklahoma can tackle Brees Hall or Charlie Kohler. <laughs> like or cover anybody. I, that's one I just of the don't things know I what did, the defense is going to do. That's one of the things I did kind of notice about Iowa State's offense. Outside of Brees Hall and Charlie Kohler, they don't have any weapons at all. The guy on the outside, Xavier Hutchinson, is not a very good player. And of course, as soon as I say that, he'll probably go for 203 touchdowns. Um, but I saw some guy named Kane Nwangwu go for a 49-yard touchdown against TCU, a running back. <laughs> Apparently, he's like the backup to Brees Hall. I, I don't know. Like honestly, I, I, I would. Uh, I I'd I'd load the box. I'd I'd make stopping Brees Hall my number one priority, and I would I'd let Buki take care of Charlie Kohler like he did last year. I just uh, I'd go in there and uh, just try to win the game. That's what I would I do. Just, I think Alex <laughs> Grinch should call the plays, uh, call the sack plays, and the the plays that get the turnovers. I don't know why he hasn't been doing that the last two years. I don't either. I don't either. Uh, here's a. Uh, Here's a fun question that we can probably go out on, unless you have like a ton of other things you want to talk about. But as I was watching the TCU-Iowa State game, again, just kind of rather briefly, just to kind of get a feel for it. <laughs> In the, uh, I believe, early third quarter, did you see what Brock Purdy did? I mean, I probably did, but it's not coming to mind instantly. As far as when he was getting rushed and then just uh, turned, turned around and tried to throw it away, but then in turn threw it right to a, a TCU defender who yes. took it back for a touchdown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've no. never seen a never seen that before. That and was so here's weird. My, here's my question to you: If Brock Purdy gave Oklahoma's defense a complete gift like he did to TCU, would Oklahoma be able to take advantage of it and actually go score? I mean, I don't know. I'd like to say I'd like to think so, but like if that same exact play happened this Saturday, would Oklahoma score a touchdown? I don't know. I have no idea. No clue. The one thing Oklahoma would have going for it is that if you watch it back, he definitely throws it behind him, so it's a lateral. So even if the DB who's back there drops it, which Oklahoma drops a lot of picks, they still could pick it up because it'd be a fumble and hopefully run and not trip and fall before getting to the end zone. That's the <laughs> that's the one the one upside is that if they drop the pick, it would technically be a lateral and the ball would still be live. So I, I do think Oklahoma would be able to score unless somebody tripped and fell down. So, okay. That's I just thought that'd be kind of a fun question to Pretty ask. good reasoning there. Fair enough. So, yeah, we apologize for just not having anything on Iowa State. Do any of you listening really want to hear about, like, in-depth Iowa State? I, may, maybe you do. I mean, you listen to this podcast, I get that you're, you like nuanced football stuff. That's what we're, we're for. Uh, I, I, not having the post-game pod like we, we have in the past, this being the first time we're talking about K-State, it just it had to be all K-State. I mean, that's, that's just the way the game was. And hopefully we provided some, some insight that you have not heard at all yet in the last few days. I know a lot of the, the, what we have been said maybe have already been said by other people. But hopefully we, we shine some light on some, some issues or some things that maybe you hadn't considered yet. Racking my brain to see if there's anything else before we go. Hmm. No, I think that's it. What about you? Well, no, what I was going to say earlier, because uh, we are moving on now, but um, 
I said earlier in the podcast about how I, I think the NFL has done a really, really good job uh, during this entire thing. I think their product is is, is the least interrupted. Um, watching, I, I feel like NFL Sundays right now are pretty much they don't feel really any different than they than they always have. So I really appreciate that. But because I have, I, I have watched so much NFL football the last three weeks. Um, more so than I probably ever have in a three-week span. I, I feel like I've, I've seen every team. I feel like I have a pretty decent uh, grasp on every team. And so, because I've been doing this, we've been doing this podcast now for about three years now. I've said a lot of things on this podcast. And there are things that I'm more forceful about than others. And so, whenever I am, whenever I'm wrong about something, I want to acknowledge it and come out and say, hey, I was wrong about that. And so, a couple years ago, um, one of my most aggressive takes ever was that Josh Allen being selected in the first round of the NFL draft and even being considered a potential NFL first round draft pick was one of the craziest, most insane things I had really ever seen because he was legitimately a bad college football player, just a, a net negative for Wyoming's <laughs> football program. <laughs> Buffalo has somehow turned Josh Allen into a very good NFL quarterback. And I was wrong about that. Josh Allen is really good. And I, I've, I've read some things about him, about how the one thing, I guess, as soon as he got into the NFL that was always really apparent about him is that he has a great attitude and he just works tirelessly. And, I, I you know, maybe that's something we, we I could have found out during the pre-draft process and whatnot, but... His physical acumen was not up for debate. He could throw it 70 yards in the air with, like by flicking his wrist, and he was running like in the four fives, and he's a big dude. When you marry those things together, a good attitude and hard work, and it, it, it's clear that he's, that he's in a system that is really trying to tailor everything to his, his strengths. Um, when you marry those things together, the talent and the, the good attitude and the hard work, you get Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the one guy that everyone should be pointing towards right now, like scouts and everyone, and saying, in terms of what we look at in terms of pedigree and maybe necessarily the stats and the performance isn't quite there yet, Josh Allen is the poster child for thinking like that. Josh Allen's really good. I think Buffalo can win a Super Bowl this year, and it's because Josh Allen's their best player. So I just wanted to say that I was wrong about that, and and, and, and I'm sure there's not a ton of people who are going to hold me to that, but... In case there are people who have been listening to this thing since the very beginning, just so you know, I was really wrong about Josh Allen. He's really good. Yeah, I do remember you saying that back in the day. I haven't seen last week's game against the Rams. I've I watched the first two against uh, what like Miami and who do they play in Week One? Uh, I can't remember. Do you remember? I can't who remember they played? either. Uh, not a good team. It wasn't a very good team. Uh, so I saw the first two games. He, he's definitely a lot better than I thought he'd be. He, he, has that, he has that mentality where he, he's so confident in his own abilities and his teammates. He's not afraid to cut it loose, obviously, because he's got that big arm. And he's willing to take chances. But that's going to be his downfall. He, he takes a lot of chances. He's a good player, but he's going to make a lot of mistakes against good teams. And... Don't get me wrong. I, th- I think he's a nice player, but I, I do think there's a lot of limitations. Will he, will he harness that and become better as his career progresses? Probably. Like you said, he's a, he's a hard worker. He's got a great attitude. He'll learn. But right now, now I, 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 don't, I don't think they're a serious Super Bowl contender be- because I think he's going to 
put them in bad spots with some of his some of his decision making. And I don't know if that defense is as good as it was last year. Honestly, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just I disagree with you. I think Buffalo's got the best defense in the league. Uh, based off everything I've watched, they are they are so difficult to move the ball on. Uh, they're just really good up the middle, and they have the best no, I, corner in the league. I, really, I, I haven't seen that. I, I mean, they've given up yard. Who did they play in week one? Why am I forgetting? They they dominated them. I can't remember. They, it played, was a bad, they oh, played Miami the in week one. The Jets. Oh, no, the, they Jets. Played the Jets. Yeah. Yeah, and the they Jets. played Miami in week two. Miami's okay. I mean, they, they're, they're a solid team. And then they played the Rams, and they almost blew it. They should have blown it against the Rams. That was a phantom pass interference call at the end. That was weird. What I like about uh, Josh Allen is, um, and I think we talked about this, but you know, Buffalo's offensive coordinator, I think, is Brian Dable, who was at Alabama for one season. Um, Brian Dable has done an outstanding job coordinating that offense. I agree. Like, at, like he's clearly one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. Um, and I, they're running an offense lead that's really similar to Baltimore's offense. The only difference is Josh Allen is much better at getting the ball downfield than Lamar Jackson is. A lot better at it. And you and can't I'm not compare like, any offenses to Baltimore's offense. Is that they're running? They're running. They're running really before. similar offenses. That, they are. They they're. That's not what they're, I've seen at all in the first two games. No way. Oh, you haven't. Okay. No. Well. No, Buffalo runs more of like a spread it out. Like they're 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 passing to set the run. I mean, Buffalo can't really run the ball from what I unless they did yeah, against no, the they Rams. Don't, I know they they run like they run kind of the same concepts, but they do it to throw, not to run. They have like they have really interesting two running back sets. They throw the ball to Devin Singletary and Zach Moss a lot. Like I mean, it's they they Josh Allen runs a lot. Like most of their he run does, elements are just Josh Allen. Like well, I think the 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 undoubted similarity between both offenses is that their offensive coordinators have built the entire offense around their quarterback and playing to their quarterback strengths. And, and I think that's undeniable. I mean, they're, they're getting the best out of it and credit to Lamar Jackson, credit to Josh Allen for essentially being unlocked as players. But yeah, this is yeah. Super hot take. Buffalo is my early pick to win the Super Bowl after the first three weeks. Did you see the Rams game? Or, I'm sorry. Did you see the chiefs game? I mean, I'm not a big fan of picking Super Bowl winners. I think it's boring. It's a boring well, topic. Yeah, don't like but, don't get me wrong here. Like I think like, I think right now I think the Chiefs are the best team in the league. Like I think I just think I don't know. I I just I like Buffalo. I like the okay. they have I think they have the best defense and their offense is explosive and has lots of speed. All right. Well, I mean, you like Buffalo. I mean, I like the Bears. I think they're going to win it all. I mean, have you seen that did, I don't know if you knew, but Nick Foles is their quarterback now and the Colts, he's got a ring. I, 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 th- I think you're going to be a little surprised by how easily the Colts beat the Bears this weekend. <laughs> I haven't seen. I've only seen. I've only seen Colt, the Colts' first game of the year, which was a disaster against uh, the Jaguars. I haven't seen them play the Vikings, and I haven't seen them play against the terrible Jets. But uh, I don't know. Is Philip Rivers going to be able to complete forward passes? Because he's yeah, not Rivers been has doing been, that a whole lot. Rivers has been really good. I was looking at his numbers. He's thrown for like 150 yards the last couple of games. Yeah, he's doing everything that he needs to do though. They're often like they have been running the ball really well. Against the Jets, it didn't matter. I mean, they were they had two defensive touchdowns and were up by four touchdowns pretty much right away. Um No, I, mean, I think Rivers can, has you been can really make good. excuses all you want. All I know is that uh, you better hammer that Bears ticket because it's uh it's happening this year. <laughs> I really don't think so. I really, really don't think so. All right, well somehow we did uh two hours roughly on on whatever we talked about. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Um, 
hopefully you enjoy the game. We're uh, we're not traveling, unfortunately, to Ames, so it's a road game for Should Oklahoma. Should I go but to the game? It's a four-hour drive for me. Can you get tickets? I mean, I'm I'm actually going to look after this. I'm really curious. Yeah, you can, you can go to a pandemic game. I've been to one. It's it's fine. It's weird, but whatever. I mean, you get. I mean, every seat's a great seat because there's nobody around you. <laughs> I mean, you see the field well. Yeah, you look it up. See if you can get some good. I mean, I'm sure tickets. I might actually think if they're about available. Going. They might be pretty pricey because there's so few available. Well, I was but, actually looking. Yeah. Um, I was looking at uh, like some NFL game. The NFL games that have fans there haven't been. Like I was looking like that Thursday night opener at the Chiefs in Kansas City. Like get in price for that game was like sixty five dollars. Oh wow! That's I thought that was really reasonable. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're not going to make any predictions on this episode after what happened last week. Uh, it'd be useless anyways. But uh, obviously, we hope Oklahoma wins, and it'd be nice if they looked a lot better. And instead of you know playing about ninety percent great defensively and then giving up everything in five to, to six plays hopefully they just play great and not give up any explosive plays or you know what maybe maybe just like one or you know what i'll be charitable maybe just like three explosive plays not six all right enjoy the game until next week for grant i am lee this is west of everest